Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation. Welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Please be joined by former Raider great Stanford Route Stan. How we doing? Oh, man, Dennis, we're doing real good, man. It's Thursday afternoon. We got another football game tonight, the Texans and the, uh, the Panthers. We got, uh, what is it, week three of the NFL regular season. I think week four or five of the college season. So, man, it is in full swing. These Raiders are 2-0. I can't be more happy right now. You buying into the two and zero start, Stan? Ah, I knew you were going. To, I knew you were going to leave with that. Uh, I would say this. I think that I'm buying it cautiously, optimistically, not because I don't think the Raiders are a good team, but do I think that the Raiders right now, when I put them in the top five teams in the league, I'm not sure if they're better in Kansas City. I definitely don't think they're better in Tampa Bay. Uh, you got the Los Angeles Rams, and then you got a few other teams that sprinkle in there. But I definitely think that the Raiders can be playoff bound. I think that last year they start off 2-0. That's why I got to wait and see because they start off winning against the Panthers and then they beat the uh, the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. It's all about can they finish. We know that they can start fast. They came out this year being two NFC North, AFC North heavyweights with the, uh, the Ravens and the Steelers. They just have to finish. Are they going to be able to go ahead and not stub their toe against teams that they should be, a.k.a. Miami Dolphins, Last year, Saturday Night Football, the day after Christmas, they pretty much dashed their playoff hopes on top of losing the heartbreaker to the uh, to the Los Angeles Chargers the Thursday night before that. So I think these games right here, you don't have Tua. He's out with the rib injury. You, you got Jacoby Brissett, who's going to be filling in for him. This is a game that is primed for an upset at Allegiant Stadium for the Las Vegas Raiders. Can they go ahead and get over the hump and not only rise to the occasion against the good teams, the Ravens, the Steelers, but can they beat the teams that, oh, yeah, I mean, we just go ahead and just mark that as a W on our calendar. Can they beat those types of teams? Because you will look back. I remember it happened to us in 20, 2010. You will look back at the end of the season when you don't make the playoffs and you can always go to about two or three games where you stubbed your toe against a team you should have beat. And that's what comes back to bite you in January. I remember back in 2010, it was the Cardinals we lost to in week three. I missed the field goal at the last second. It was the San Francisco 49ers, I believe somewhere around like week uh, week five, I believe it was, week six. We lost to them when we shouldn't have. We gave up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And then we lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars like in week 13 or 14, a team we shouldn't have lost to. And then you look up, we're 8-8. Eight and eight. We swept the division. But we're 8-8 eight eight at the end of the season, and if we'd have won those three games, or even just two of those three games, we'd have been 10-6. and six. We'd have definitely gone to the playoffs because we would have swept We swept the division, so we'd have won any tie, any tiebreaker. And I think Kansas City went to the playoffs that year, losing in the first round. So it's just that. that's why, do I believe in this team? We're right where we were last year, and now i got to see, can you take that next step? 
Yeah, I've been very impressed with their first two wins. I mean, before the season, I looked at the schedule and I thought, you know, they could very well start 0-2. And, and to me, Stan, the biggest reason this team is 2-0, and the play of quarterback Derek Carr. I mean, against the Steelers, he threw for more than 380 yards. He had a couple of touchdown passes, completed over 75% of his throws. All of this while working with the patchwork offensive line and a non-existent running Jacobs. game. Without yeah. Josh Jacobs. Yeah, exactly. You know, Carr's throwing for a franchise record stand, 817 yards through two games. And it's also seventh most in the NFL history through the first two weeks. You know, I thought the Steelers did a wonderful job taking away Darren Waller for most of the game. So what did Carr do? He simply spread the wealth around. Waller and Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro all tied for the team high with seven targets. And then five other players caught passes as well. I mean, Carr has carried a heavy burden to start the season, has answered the bell mm -hmm. despite some, despite some yep. difficult circumstances. I mean, Stan, as you said, the Raiders started 2-0 last year, and we know how that ended. So while I think it's quite an impressive accomplishment to win the first two, I'm going to throw a little caution to the win and not go overboard. Just keep everything in perspective. It's a long season, and we're only in week three. Stan, here's what Derek Carr had to say on the Raiders' fast start. Everyone's feeling good about themselves, you know, going two and zero and all that kind of stuff. Well, they don't hand any trophies out after two weeks, you know. And they don't give you any kind of anything, you know. We we have a team coming in here that you know got after us. They beat us, you know. We, we got a team coming in here that who cares what happened last week? As a competitor, if something happens the week before. I know for sure they're going to show up this week. You know, uh, you know, there's there's no doubt in our mind they're going to be ready to play and they're going to bring it. And and on top of that, we didn't beat them. You know, so uh, we have nothing to feel good about. You know, you know we, we can be happy about things that have happened. You're excited about the start. And that's kind of where it ends because we got a team coming in here that they, they did have our number. They did beat us. And so uh, this week in practice, if we, we don't have our mindset uh, the way that it has been in prior weeks, um, you know, then we'll fall on our face. But hopefully, and I believe, especially after these first couple of days, that everyone's mindset is ready. And we're ready for another fist fight. You know, that's what the NFL is. And you got to set your mind for that at the, at the early beginning of the week because they're going to come in here ready to play. Stan, I want to follow up on something you texted me during last week's game. I thought John Gruden did a really nice job of getting Henry Ruggs involved into the game plan. He did it quite often. And, of course, he had the big 61-yard touchdown reception that pretty much iced the game. Yep. He also had a career-high five receptions for more than 100 yards and you know I've been pounding my chest about getting Ruggs more involved. And you said this, as long as he's the Raiders number two or three, he'll be deadly. What did you mean by that? Well, I just simply meant that uh, being the number one guy means that you're able to run all the routes on the route tree. It means that you have a special power where you can command a double team, not oh, you know what, I think this game we might want to go and double-team him. No, you can command one. You look at the top receivers who are the number one guys in the NFL. You better double-team Devontae Adams. You better double-team Tariq Hill. You better double-team a Stephon Diggs. You better double-team DeAndre Hopkins. You better double-team Julio Jones. You better double-team I can Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, uh, Keenan Allen. I can go all the way down the list. You better double-team them, not you should, maybe you can if you can kind of move it into the game plan. No, you better double team them or they're going to wreck the game for you. So Henry Ruggs is not on that level. And I think that he has all the athletic ability to do that. But 
you look at even him back at Alabama. Who was the number one receiver at Alabama back then? They had Jerry Judy, I believe, was exactly. the number one guy. Yeah. He won the Blitnikoff Award. They had Jerry Judy. So even then, Henry Ruggs was more the remix. He was more of the number two guy. He's the guy that, okay, you're shifting the covers to Jerry Judy. You got that guy Ruggs over there. He can also get off very well because he's fast, ran a 4-2-7 at the combine, things like that. He can definitely go ahead, get down the field, make his big plays. But is he somebody that can go ahead and be equally as effective by running all of the routes on the route tree that are not number nine, that is the go route. Can he be effective running the dig? Can he be effective running the comeback? Can he be effective running the bang gate, which is the skinny post? Can he be effective in the three in the three step, the quick game, slants, hitches, quick outs, things like that? Can he be effective? And I'm not sure right now in his young career if he can be as effective and to be the number one guy. You have to be able to run all of those routes on the route tree. You have to be able to have that craftiness. You got to have that wiggle at the line of scrimmage what Devonte adams is just a savant at or stefan diggs who runs phenomenal routes even though he's not fast he's not somebody that's going to beat you over the top and you got to have those stick em type of hands like a deandre hopkins which we all know what he's doing out out there in the desert so because henry rucks is not there that's why i don't think he can be your number one guy now if he's your number two or number three you got your number two corner on him you if he's a number three you got your nickel back on him maybe some safety every now and again you can go ahead and get him matched up on a linebacker and he is going to really really eat then but if you put that type of pressure on him where he has to be the one who's actually commanding the double team that can then open up the offense for other people if you ask that much of him, I think that you're putting him at a disadvantageous position because then you're putting more on him than I think he's ready to take right now. And then you're going to be disappointed in him. And then you're going to be wondering, why is he not producing? When in all actuality, you're just simply putting, you're simply placing him in an area and you're putting a premium on him that he's not ready to carry. So Stan, let me follow up with this then. We all know Darren Waller's top two tight ends in the NFL. Absolutely. So how much did Brian Edwards rugs and even hunter renfro benefit from waller being constantly double teamed oh my goodness like well i can take you back to the long touchdown with rugs uh on sunday sunday afternoon it was basically a single high situation for pittsburgh they had minka fitzpatrick who was playing center field all pro uh, free safety for the pittsburgh steelers and you had darren waller on the opposite side of the bunch uh, from the formation. You had Darren Waller just running straight down the field. I believe he ran something like a, uh, I believe it was a go route or a dig route. I'm, I'm not sure. But Minka Fitzpatrick is in the middle field and he is shading to the right side of the formation because he's giving more attention to Darren Waller. So just off of that alone, Minka Fitzpatrick left the center field position at which he's playing his free safety. He left the middle of the field and as soon as Derek Carr saw Minka Fitzpatrick, shade to Darren Waller. He knew I don't have a middle field safety. There is nobody in the post. All I have to do is just get the ball off. All I got to do is throw it as far as I can. And I know that guy over there that runs 427, I know he's going to run up under it. And that's exactly what happened. So to your question of how much can they benefit from a, uh, from a Darren Waller, oh, they can benefit immensely. You look at how you see certain people get off against the Kansas City, uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs because you put so much attention on Tariq Hill. You put so much attention on Travis Kelsey. You look on the game Sunday night, I believe his name was Pringle or Price or something like that. They had the long touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens in about the third quarter. That's because you're putting so much attention to those other guys. Now, 
All now these other guys, the unsung heroes, quote unquote, all they have to do is just beat single man coverage, not a double team, and then that's more advantageous for them so they can go ahead and be successful. Great explanation, Stan. All right, for the first time this year, the Raiders are favorite, four-point favorites over the Miami Dolphins, and the over-under is 44-and-a-half. I hate that, by the way. You hate what? I hate the fact that they are favored because I think that the Raiders are an up-and-coming team. Derek Carr is showing that, hey, I've been like this all along. Y'all just now simply paying attention because, you know, we did it against uh, Lamar Jackson, and I did it against Super Bowl-winning Ben Roethlisberger, and – I'm not sure if this team is ready to now be the favorite, be the favorite team and still come in with that same moxie, come in with that same fight, that same grit as they did when they were the underdog against the Baltimore Ravens, the historic Pittsburgh Steelers out there at Heinz Field. I'm not sure. That's why I say I hate that because that does seep in. And whenever you have a younger team, you tend to think that, oh, man, we already got to make we're, we're favorites. Oh, man, we're supposed to just walk on the field and they're going to lay down for us because, you know, we beat the Steelers last week. So, I mean, the Miami Dolphins, they're going to respect us. And you and I both know that ain't how it goes in the NFL. Like, nobody is afraid of anybody. So, just for me personally, I uh, I, I hate that. I kind of wish that they were – I wish that they were underdogs because it's just that much more of a grit that you go into the game with. Well, if you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money. If you're a football better, there's tons of future and props you can wager on as well. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So, before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. So I don't know, Raider fans, if you've heard, but former NBA player Lamar Odom might be returning to the court. He might be heading over to Europe to play professionally in Spain. He's going to try out for Pau Gasol's team. He's playing hoops. J.R. Smith is playing some college golf. And Lamar's been taking a new product he owes to credit. It's called Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. It's like vitamins or supplements. But in liquid form, just one ounce a day, three times a day in a week, you're going to see major effects. You can see how Balance 7 has helped Lamar. And right now, if you go to Balance7.com and use the promo code BLEAVE, you'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to feel the pH balancing drink go to work. Again, that's Balance7.com and use the BLEAVE code at checkout. If it worked for Lamar Odom, it can certainly work for you, too. All right, Stan, you played eight years in the NFL, and you played against the Miami Dolphins five times in your career. You, got, you were one and four, though. <laughs> yes, uh, one and four. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> the lone win I saw it was 35-17 in Miami. That came in 2017. And wasn't that Dante Culpepper quarterback in the Raiders that day? Yes, it was Dante Culpepper, quarterbacking us uh, at that time. I still remember that game vividly. I believe it was week three or week four of the regular season. I think we had a bye week after that, I think. I had an INT against Chris Chambers, uh, maybe second quarter, I believe. 
But yeah, I remember that game pretty well. I, I I remember all the games against Miami pretty well. And you know, Miami is one of those teams. That's why I'm that's why I'm a little hesitant about this weekend because Miami is one of those teams that they're never great and they're never completely horrible. And they're that team that if you simply do not have your chin strap buckled, if you do not enter the game with the same level of focus that you would against the Packers, the Patriots, the Steelers, or any other great team in the NFL, you will look up in the third quarter and you'll see that, oh, wow, we're in a dogfight. And then what do you know? All of a sudden you look up and they've actually they've actually uh, beat you because they have good players. They're not a great team, but they have good enough players that if you're not paying attention, you will definitely lose. And then when you factor in how they got Byron Jones, you got Xavier Howard, they're going to be going ahead. They're going to be playing a lot of man coverage against our receivers, maybe even some against Darren Waller. It could be tough sledding for the Raiders very well uh, because of Styles making matchups. Yeah, and you had one pick six in your career? Yes, against Kansas City Chiefs. Who'd you pick and take me through that play? Oh, man. Uh, let me see. We were playing the Kansas City Chiefs. It was the year that we swept the division. Well, we, we swept the division. We got the Chiefs in the final game of the year. I believe it's like January 2nd, January 3rd, like 2011. And I believe we were up maybe... Uh, we were up maybe 17 to 10, I believe. And it was, they had the ball backed up. And I think that they had a, I think we had a TFL or a sack. And then they had a penalty, like a holding call or something like that. So it wound up being, I believe, my third and like 31 or third and long. And I'm in the slot land, uh, matched up on Dexter McCluster. We're in quarters. And Dexter McCluster gives me a pivot route where he basically fakes like he's going on the under and then breaks it out. And so uh, I broke with him. And then as soon as I turned around, here comes the ball. And I, I, I almost dropped it for a split second. I bobbled it. And then, you know, like I said, I went ahead. I hung on to it. And, you know, I'm the type of person that, like, once I, once I get going, like, nobody's catching me. And I think for a brief second, because when I went to Kansas City the following year, uh, Dexter McCluster, he actually talked to me about it, telling me, like, hey, Stan, I was try actually trying to come back and catch you. And I'm like, come on. I'm like, dude, you're not catching me once I get in front of you. But nonetheless, I remember that. And let me see. Yes. Yeah, so pick six to the house. How and many then yards I was think, it, Stan? Yes. Maybe 20, 25, maybe 30 yards, something like that. It wasn't like a long, long ways or any stretch of the imagination. You still have that football? Yes. Yeah. I got all the INTs that I ever got uh, in, my, in my trophy room. And so, and it's interesting because I remember that following week, we're all at home mad that we blew the division to the Kansas City Chiefs after we swept them both times. And I remember actually watching them play against Baltimore in the wild card round. And I remember the commentator saying how the Baltimore Ravens actually were using some of our game plan to go ahead and play against the Chiefs. And they, you know, they stoned them uh, to go on and move around, move on to the divisional round. But yeah, I, I remember that vividly. Yeah, Kansas City, I believe that was probably the team I had the most INTs against in my career, I think. Could be wrong. All right. Well, we've got one more sponsorship to read, so let's get to it. And some exciting news. Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring you some interactive fun to the sport we love the most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pickup challenge, which is open to everyone. And here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. 
Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, pick them as well as cool sportsbook style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. We'll take a look at the injury update for the Raiders. Probably no Josh Jacobs again. Left guard Richie Incognito probably out as well. Continues to nurse a calf injuries. Dan, you mentioned earlier, uh, Dolphins starting quarterback Tua Tungavailoa is out with cracked ribs. He suffered that injury last week against the Buffalo Bills. Jacoby Brissett is going to get the start for Miami. I mean, the Dolphins offense ranks near the bottom of the league in several offensive categories, including total offense, yards passing and rushing and scoring. Buffalo shut them out. Uh, they weren't playing that well with Tua, and even worse without him. The Raiders faced Brissett in 2019 when he was starting quarterback for the Colts. So, Stan, let me ask this. Despite the bleak offensive numbers for Miami, is there sometimes a natural letdown knowing the other team's starting quarterback or star player might not be participating? Yeah, it definitely is somewhat of a natural letdown, and, that, and that's just human nature. And I think that's where it's incumbent upon coaches to make sure that they do not let that letdown seep into the players' minds. I mean, you look at the Bill Belichick's of the world who were just so great at not allowing his teams to get comfortable and that's why I say that this is primed situation for the Las Vegas Raiders to lay an egg, to drop the ball right now. They're supposed to be 3-0 and after this weekend, period. No matter what. If you win by one point, you win by 100. Don't matter. But the point is you're going against a team's backup quarterback. You're going against a team that, once again, like I've said before, bounced you out of the playoff race last year. So you owe them in a myriad of ways you got to make sure that you, that you take care of business. So will it be enough for the Raiders? Let's say they went 24-17. to 17. Are you going to be impressed now that they're 3-0? and I'll be like, yeah, they beat the Dolphins. They should have beat the Dolphins. I don't give a damn uh, how, uh, what the score is when they play the Dolphins. I don't give a damn how much they beat the Dolphins by just because, like, it's the NFL. So you can go and easily be, oh, well, you know, the New Orleans Saints beat the Green Bay Packers by 35 points, and then the following week – the Panthers beat the Saints, so that means the Saints are probably, I mean, the, the Panthers are 50 points better than the Green Bay Pack. That ain't how football works. You get in, you go you go play football, styles make matchups. Point is, you win the game, you move on to the next. Whether you win by one, whether you win by 100, it doesn't matter. If I'm talking about style points, the Dolphins have a really good defense as far as their secondary. I love their corners. I wouldn't be surprised if Derek Carr has a pedestrian game of 190 yards passing. He might throw an INT. I wouldn't be surprised by that. So I would not look at it from the standpoint of, oh, my God, the Miami Dolphins were without Tua, and they barely lost to the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, I don't think Tua is really the quarterback of the future for the Miami Dolphins, at least not right now as it is. So them going to their backup isn't exactly a huge drop-off, in my personal opinion. So I would not go and and, and equate everything to the style points to that magnitude just because, like I said, Miami's got a pretty good secondary. They do. They got some damn good corners. That's going to make it very difficult for uh, Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro and Zay Jones and Edwards and Waller and all of those guys. And then they're without Josh Jacobs. They were able to go ahead and make it past Pittsburgh. Thank God. But 
that same absence in the backfield may not be something that they can go ahead and put makeup on and conceal as well against this Miami Dolphins team because they lost just last week uh, to the Buffalo Bills, losing, what was it, 35-0, 37-0? At home. Exactly. You think they ain't going to come out swinging at Allegiant Stadium? So that's why I don't care what the score is. I don't care if they win 23-and-a-half to 23. I don't give a damn. As long as they can walk out of there with that W, that is all that matters and move on to week four. Like Al Davis used to say, just win, baby. Just win, baby. Well, one of the keys to the game is can the Dolphins' offensive line slow down the Raiders' defense? I mean, Miami gave up six sacks last week to Buffalo. So, you know, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe, Solomon Thomas licking their chops. Defensive coordinator Gus Bradley has his group looking like a real NFL defense. Here's K.J. Wright talking about the Seattle Seahawks imprint on this unit. You definitely have um, Gus's disciples at, at all three levels, backhand, linebackers, and the D-line. And it's just, um, it's really cool to see, like, how successful, everywhere Gus has gone, he's been successful. And for him to come here and have the same successful start in the endless 2-0 and start, it's really cool to see. I love the way this defense plays, play fast. This defense plays very confident. And you see, like, there's there's not too many mistakes out there because what we do is we prepare like no other, and we just able to play fast. And so to see Gus and uh, with his play calling with these guys, it's, it's really fun to see. All right, Stan, what are you seeing on that side of the ball that's impressed you the most? Oh, I think that uh, they're playing together. It seems like you're not seeing guys running scot-free wide open down the middle of the field anymore. You see, you're not seeing as many mental errors. I think that uh, the, what they're doing with Jonathan Abrams is best for his skill set. And, I mean, I think K.J. Wright hit it right on the head, just basically talking about the Seattle imprint. Gus Bradley coming over, simplifying things. I remember the Legion of Boom only had about two, three, maybe, maybe three coverages. They ran man. They ran a lot of cover three, and they ran some quarters. I don't think they ran any cover two. They kept it very simple, but they had a lot of dogs on that team. And whenever you simplify it, you allow your players to play fast because they don't have to think. They don't got to go and outsmart themselves sometimes. You're just letting them play off of instincts, and I think that's what Gus Bradley is allowing this defense to do. And also, I think you got Max Crosby. His rookie year, he had 10 sacks. Last year, did not have as many sacks, and I think he's primed for a double-digit sack season, dare I say, a Pro Bowl-level season coming out of him. And I think he knows that, and I think he knows that he needs to bring that. And having Ngakwe on the other side is going to make it all the much easier because you will not be able to just key in on him. Yeah, you look at the Raiders' run defense, in particular last week against Pittsburgh, and they averaged just under three yards a carry as starting running back Najee Harris went for only 38 yards on the ground. And Ben Roethlisberger... Stan, he seemed to be bothered by the Raiders' pass rush all day long. I mean, the Raiders sacked him just twice, but they had double-digit quarterback hits, and we all mm -hmm. know quarterbacks do not like to be hit. So, Not at all. Stan, one Raider who seems to be having a – and I, I'm trying to put this uh, – hopefully this comes across the way I want to. He's having a very quiet but solid season so far, and I think that's Jonathan Abram. And what I mean by quiet is you know how much heat he took last year for all the breakdowns mm -hmm. that he had in pass coverage. Can you make the case that he's benefited the most from Gus Bradley's new defensive philosophy? Oh, absolutely. You can make a case that he's done that. You can see that he's not back deep as much. They're allowing him to play a lot closer to the box. That's where I think he's at his best because he's a hard-hitting safety. Sometimes he doesn't wrap up, so that kind of gets him in trouble. But nonetheless, I love his physicality. And I think that, yeah, you could very well make a case that he's been the one who's most improved or he's been the one who's benefited the most from this new defensive scheme. Who do you think else has as well? 
I would say Max Crosby. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact of Ngakwe coming over from the Baltimore Ravens. I think that's now allowing him to get more single coverage, or should I say single blocking. You can't just slide the protection in his way. And then also, I think he's also maturing uh, as a player. This is his third year. So I think that there's a number of players who appear to be playing better right now than they were last year. Trayvon Mullins, another one that comes to mind. But definitely, if you're asking me to rank them, I would put Max Crosby and I put Jonathan Abrams up there near the top. Stan, when you watch a game, I know everybody watches it different. When I'm watching it, I actually start, I look at the offensive line, especially on pass plays, because I know if the quarterback's getting heat, he's not going to be able to get a pass off. And I know as a starting cornerback in the NFL, how do you watch a game? Oh, wow. It really just depends on the down and distance. If uh, if it's third and let's say longer than six, I'm looking at the linebackers. I'm looking at the corners. I'm looking at the safeties. I'm looking to see, okay, who's moving around? Who looks like they're about to go and drop into coverage? Does that corner look like he's about to come up and play press man? Things like that. And probably the receiver. So it really just kind of depends on the down and distance. If it's third and two, if it's third and three, then obviously I'm looking more toward the line of scrimmage, the guys in the trenches, things like that. So it really just depends on the situation. Oftentimes, if it's a passing down, I'm looking to see, okay, is that quarterback, is he audible and out of this? Is that defensive end, is he pinning his ears back? Is he just going to give a basic pass rush? Are they going to run some sort of a game, some sort of a twist, something like that? So I'm looking at a myriad of things. It just depends on what time of the game it is, the situation, things like that. What about first and 10 in the first quarter? First and 10 in the first quarter, I'm probably looking more toward the backfield because I'm expecting probably maybe a run, maybe a boot, something like that. So I'm probably looking more toward the linebackers, the front seven. How are they going to defend things? Are they fitting in the gaps? Things like that. And then, you know, once you go ahead and you see that it's now pass play, then you go ahead and revert your eyes to the receivers or to that area of the screen. But for the most part, it really just, like I said, it depends on the situation, the quarter, the down and distance, where they are on the field, whether they just cross the 50, they're in the high red, they're backed up, it's goal line, things like that. So I can't really say that there's one specific place where I put my eyes because it just depends on, like I said, the situation. And this is how you watch a game for whether you're being an analyst or just watching a normal game? It's a little bit of both. I think if I'm just watching as a fan, then I'm really just watching probably the positions that I'm most familiar with, which are obviously the receiver position, the corner position, safety, even a little bit linebacker. I kind of understand that. The D line, I understand that to a certain degree, but not a whole lot. The offensive line as well. And also just, you know, depending on the star power within that actual uh, matchup, I'm also watching players because, you know, I'm a fan of players. Now, if I'm an analyst, if I'm watching the game while I'm calling a game, doing the color commentary, then obviously I got the bird's eye view because I'm in the press box. So then I'm looking at, okay, how is everybody moving around? Is this defense going to go ahead and bring a blitz? Are they going to go ahead and drop off into coverage? Uh, how do those linemen look? Are they lighting their stance, which tells you it might be pass drop versus a run versus a run, a run block, things like that. You know, where's that running back at? Is he offset to one side or the other? So I'm always looking at little bitty things. And obviously I picked that up from Nambi Asamoah that helps you better anticipate what the offense might be about to do. Interesting stuff. All right, let's pick some games in the AFC West. And we're going to begin with a divisional showdown. The Chargers at the Chiefs. Chiefs six-and-a-half-point favorites, and the over-under is 55. Stan, who are you going with? Chiefs. You think they cover? Mm, yeah, let's go ahead and say that. I think that last week they lost the Baltimore Ravens. They took that one on the chin. I think they're going to be uh, come looking to bounce back this week. What do you think about the over-under, 55? 
I think that's a pretty safe bet. Like I said, I, I, I trust me, I, I'm no good when it comes to gambling or, you know, sports book and things like that. I would assume that it's going to be a high scoring affair. I'll just say that. You know what? I do like the Chiefs, but I don't know. For some reason, I got a feeling this game is going to go under, and I think it's going to be close. I'm thinking 24-21. I do think the Chiefs win, but I'm not sure if they're going to cover. All right, Broncos 2-0. and I'm still not sold on them. They beat Jacksonville, and they beat the New York Giants, but hey, they are undefeated. Jets-Broncos, Denver 10-and-a-half-point favorite at home over under 41. I'd say Broncos win that game. Are they going to cover... I think the Jets are bound to have a they're they're bound to have a a, a good hard fought loss. So let's just go ahead and say that uh, the Broncos don't cover. Yeah, I don't think they will either. I think they're going to win, but for some reason, seventeen ten. Yeah. You know, uh, Denver is very good defensive team. You know, Teddy Bridgewater is playing well, but I don't know twenty to ten, seventeen ten. All right, Dolphins Raiders. As I said earlier, Raiders four point favorites at home. Yeah, I think the Raiders cover that. Yeah, I think the Raiders win, and I do think they win. You know what, Stan? Here's something interesting. I think if they win, I could see something along the lines of 21 to 10. Mm-hmm. If the Raiders blow them out, I'm going to, even though I know they're still missing Tua Tunga Vailoa, but like you said, this is a game in the past where the Raiders might have stumbled, taken an L. But if they come out and they blow out the Dolphins, I'm going to have a little bit different perspective because that means they were focused all week. Yeah. They went out and they took care of business like they should have. Agreed. You know, and it's my first time to Allegiant Stadium, my first Raiders game love it. in Las Vegas. What can Dennis, I expect? Love it. What can I expect? Oh man, it's gonna be loud. It's gonna be rocking in there. It's not gonna be. It's not gonna be as as scary or as let me see uh, as intimidating as the black hole was in the Oakland Coliseum. But definitely, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of fun. They got a club down there on the lower level in in the back of one of the end zones. When you see the Al Davis torch light up, it's going to be mag- a magnificent sight. You are definitely going to have a great time. The stadium is magnificent. And then when they're winning, just like you saw Monday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens, that just makes it even better. So uh, you're definitely going to have a good time, Dennis. It is one of the best stadiums in the league, if not the, the best. All right. Who's St. Thomas High School playing this weekend? St. Thomas High School has St. John the 23rd. Tomorrow night is 7 p.m. Central Time. What's your record so far this year? Three and one. Should be four and zero, oh, but it is what it is. Uh, you stub your toe sometimes. Nobody's perfect, but yeah, we're three and one. And what college game are you calling this weekend? East Carolina hosting Charleston Southern. Is Charleston Southern Division Two or whatever F whatever they they're, call they're, these days. They're FCS. I think All they're right. FCS. You expecting a good game in that one? Yeah, yeah, I'm expecting a good game. They uh, they got a pretty good defense in East Carolina. They just got their first victory last week against Marshall. So it's definitely going to be uh, something that I think you'll see still be a matchup or a, a good game in the third quarter. Guys, Dan, you got high school football Friday, then you got college football Saturday, then you got the Raiders Sunday. What a weekend. Man. Can't beat it. Can't beat it, man. <laughs> Great stuff as always, my friend. All good. All right, Raider Nation, that's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by betonline.ag. For my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. And may all your punts find the coffin corner. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.